Hello? Is is this thing on? Hello? Jed? Jed Hoyer, are you in the office? Are you on vacation? Maybe you're in the back cave getting a bunch of deals done. They're all going to come out all at once. We are almost at Christmas, and the Cubs don't have one dang signing except for their new manager, Craig Council. So we're going to talk about some of the major holes still on this team, who's been connected with the Cubs for trade rumors, for free agency, and who is realistic to actually fit on this team right now on the Setup Man podcast and YouTube channel. Welcome in Setup Nation, and we have just been hearing rumors upon rumors upon rumors, Cubs tied to a bunch of deals, but nothing has been done yet. Even the freaking Pirates have gotten something done, and they got Rowdy Telez, which I actually thought was a really killer deal for them. Now, I made the joke about Jed Hoyer being in his back cave and getting some deals ready, but that really is kind of what I'm hoping for right now, because while they are being linked to guys like Yamamoto and Imanaga and... Cody Bellinger is still a need, and hopefully they're going to be re-signing him too. It does seem like Jed and Carter and Tom Ricketts like to keep a lot of these deals close to the vest, including like Marcus Stroman and Seiya Suzuki a couple seasons ago. They were not really linked to either of those players. Those signings came out of nowhere. We have so much still left to do this offseason. There's still a lot of time, and despite being a big market team, the Cubs just continue to show that they have tight purse springs. And although they were involved in the Otani sweepstakes, I don't think we ever truly, truly bought into that maybe being a reality. I think some of you might have gotten into that uh, downward spiral. I'm sorry for those of you that did. But the largest contract the Cubs have ever signed was Jason Hayward's eight-year, $184 million deal. And last season, in spite of being in tons of talks with the four big shortstops, they made a move on a bargain deal with Dansby Swanson, which I, I still really like the deal. I'm not complaining. But the fact is, as much as Cubs fans really want the Trey Turners and the Shohei Otanis and the Yamamotos and all those other A-plus stars, I think it's time that we have to come to realization that Jed and Tom Ricketts are just not going to make those reckless moves. And that's what it's going to take to get some of these guys, reckless contracts. So with that being said, let's break down the Cubs who they've been connected with so far, who's actually a realistic prospect for landing on the Cubs, and maybe even some names that they haven't been connected to that I would think would be realistic. I'll kick it off with starting pitching. The Cubs were 14th in starting pitcher ERA at 426. They were 13th in innings pitched, and they were 20th in strikeouts. That's not a good combination for a solid starting staff. If there is one place I would really like to see them improve, and especially going into spring training, it would be with the starting pitching. After seeing the front office putting a large emphasis on defense, it was really awesome seeing Nico Horner and Dansby Swanson and Ian Happ getting gold gloves for a couple of them, their second gold gloves. But would you expect better numbers from the pitching staff with that good of a defense? I would. So pitching and defense, it's got to win championships, right? So let's start with the pitching. And I want to start with the two overseas pitchers, the Japanese pitchers, Yoshinobu, Yamamoto, and Shota Imanaga. Sorry, Cubs fans, I don't see Yamamoto being realistic. The Dodgers, the Yankees, the Mets, Blue Jays, all are linked to him, and they've shown that they're willing to offer those reckless contracts this offseason, unlike the Cubs. So moving on to Imanaga, he's older, 30, doesn't flash the same eye-popping stats like Yamamoto. He seems like a guy that can fit nicely into the middle of the rotation. And given the uncertainty of the Cubs' current starters, he could fill a very large gap. Plus, 
with all of the same amount of hype, maybe even a little bit less than Kodai Senga. Senga only got five years and $75 million for the Mets. That's only $15 million per year AAV, extremely doable for the Cubs. With the addition of Imanaga, we could see him slotted between Steele and Tyone, Jordan Wicks and Kyle Hendricks somewhere in the back half of the rotation. And with all accounts that Cade Horton could be ready by May or June, there could be another ace-like pitcher coming from within the organization. Although I do hesitate to put that much pressure on a rookie, the Cubs and Cubs fans have been really good at doing that in the past. And not to mention Javier Assad, who honestly was one of the best starters on the team last year when given the chance. And that's a pretty decent starting five. It doesn't intimidate me. It doesn't scream playoffs. However, if we do get Cade Horton back and if Imanaga is an upgrade over Marcus Stroman, now we're starting to see a little bit of progress. The downside of Imanaga is that he does seem a lot like Jordan Wicks and Justin Steele and Kyle Hendricks in that he won't light up the radar gun. Now his strikeouts per nine innings is over nine, but it will be interesting to see if that actually translates to similar numbers in the U.S. And while Tyone does throw harder, I'd hardly say that his fastball is intimidating. So now I, I would really like to see that intimidating starter that, that really lights out ace. And that's a Blake Snell, maybe a Jordan Montgomery and I'd absolutely love to see that, but Scott Boris is their agent, and we all know he's not going to be satisfied giving them away at a bargain price. But what about a trade? Shane Bieber and Tyler Glass now continue to come to the surface for the Cubs, but both really are scary when it comes to reliability. Glass now has never thrown more than 120 innings in one season, and now the Rays, you know, they're going to ask for everything under the sun for him, and Shane Bieber is coming off an injury-plagued season, but the numbers still weren't bad when he was out there. Plus, he's one year removed from 200 innings and a sub-3 ERA. Whether the Cubs get Imanaga or not, I can see them adding Bieber very easily. His stock is really as low as it's ever been, and he's going to be owed somewhere around $10 to $12 million in 2024, which is $15 million less than Glass now. He's got one year of team control left, and I'd much rather see the Cubs go do a trade with Cleveland than Tampa Bay, as I do get some flashbacks and PTSD of the Matt Garza trade and giving away pretty much our entire farm system. Plus, now that the Dodgers are in the mix for glass now, you would expect LA to be more willing to throw their top prospects to the Rays. So let's have some fun. Let's say they do get Imanaga and Bieber. Here's what that starting five starts to look like. Steele, Bieber, Imanaga, Tyone, Wicks and Hendricks. And if Bieber comes back to his 2022 form, that's pretty sexy. And what if Horton comes up and this guy is exactly what scouts say he is, and he could be that even third ace. We're looking at potentially three aces in this rotation, given what Steele did last year. Not to mention, I expect Tyone to be better in 2024. That could also allow for Assad and Wicks to be staples in the Cubs bullpen, which is a big part of one of the major holes they still have left to fill. But what about some names that are on the market that could still make an immediate impact right now in the starting rotation? The Cubs already have their veteran in Kyle Hendricks, so I don't necessarily see them going for a veteran like Johnny Cueto and, you know, Clayton Kershaw with the shoulder surgery. Who knows when he's going to be ready to pitch again? So I don't really see them going the old guy route. Doesn't seem like the right fit. But sticking to the trend that Jed and Carter Hawkins have gone for, I can see a project pitcher being a potential for them. Although it's not ideal, and I don't want that to be the only move they make, there's really not many more free agent 
options out there. A guy like Frankie Montas or Lucas Giolito could be a good fit for this club. The potential and the track record are there, but the last couple of years have not been good to both of these guys. I especially see Montas, though, being realistic for a bargain type of deal for the Cubs. He basically didn't play in 2023. He was horrible for the second half of 2022. So you could see him coming in on a small deal potentially even a minor league contract. So there's very little risk for the Cubs, but if he is healthy and he can work with the Cubs top-notch pitching development staff, there's no reason to think that his 2021 numbers are a stretch. In that season, he started 32 games and had a 3.37 ERA over 187 innings pitch. Now, if Montas or a project pitcher is the only guy the Cubs get for the rotation, I consider this a failed offseason from the front office. So you would need to see him paired with a Bieber or an Imanaga or someone like that. So if there's one place I really would like to see the Cubs go all out this offseason, it is with pitching. Let's hope we start to see some of those deals come through. Next, I'm going to go over the bullpen. This was the number one reason for the Cubs September implosion. How is the front office going to fix this and when? Stay tuned, subscribe, leave a review, and be on the lookout for when I drop the next podcast. For now, I'm going to go put my arm on ice. We'll see you next time, Setup Nation.